Hello and welcome to Generic Ear Porn. <laughs> Brilliant. Well done. Great. It's, that's that's the hardest bit over. And done oh, with. Phew, I can stop sweating now. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm oddly nervous just because it feels like the most professional episode yet. We've got a real life professional in a field to talk about something rather than just me and Charlie uh, rambling on about a subject that we know nothing never, about. Never Earth. underestimate the importance of you doing that though you don't know how many people's lives you've touched just by doing what you're doing so. Yeah I think um, I think there's a, there's a lot more room for people just talking about their uh, their own thoughts and then being open we're, we're open to other people contradicting us. I think early on we didn't want to we don't want to sound like uh, we're telling people how the world is. Yeah. Uh, just how we see the world. But, I understand um, that. And I think I think that's validation, though. I think people would be listening. Uh, yeah, I understand what you mean about not wanting to come across as though you're telling, you're trying to kind of be dictatory, I guess, in what you're mm-hmm. saying. But at the same time, I think it would be quite validating for a lot of people. And I think that the, the, the truth of it is, is everybody, there's, there's schools of thought everywhere. There's always going to be people that disagree with you or, or don't think what you're saying is right. But then there's always going to be the people that do. And I think that's what, that's the, that's where the benefit is. Absolutely. And I think in, uh, there couldn't be a field where this is more important than in sex, especially in yeah. our current culture. Um, well, there's loads of fields where it's really important, but there, um, that leads us into what your job is. Uh, I briefly asked you uh, five minutes before the call if you could describe it in 10 words. Yes, thank you so much for giving me a little bit of a heads up there because <laughs> I managed to think of it. Okay, I'm going to count it on my fingers. So a therapist who helps people feel sexually and emotionally empowered. Okay. And so... It feels obvious, but how would you tie in uh, sexual empowerment and emotional empowerment? I love that question. So sexual empowerment, the way that I work and what I believe is that uh, sexual empowerment starts with knowledge. It starts with education. So I work with people from as young as young, like young children um, mm-hmm. all the way through to um, adolescence and adulthood. Um, so I, I guess I work in varying capacities because uh, I've got a basically a pretty solid belief that uh, sex education is thoroughly and completely lacking on all parts throughout okay. our schooling years. And so I, I basically would love to have a comprehensive sex education program in every single school. I think that would be the, the main the main point of focus. That's but when we're talking about like adults, um, you know, it's, it's kind of going back and dealing with their relationships um, to sex and, and the way that they learned about it and how they feel about it from that younger age and how that may have affected uh, their relationships and the way that they communicate both, you know, emotionally, verbally and sexually now. So, yeah. Okay, and so um, so the, the first part of it is is making sure that sex is understood more on, uh, we have a better factual understanding of it. 
Yeah, I think fa factual, but also like a sociocultural understanding as well. I think right. there's there's so much uh, anatomical and physiological information that we're not taught. So we're taught mm -hmm. basically the very basics. Yep. Um, but when, yeah, there's so much more that we could, could have been taught about our bodies, yes, and physically uh, understanding um, all of that, how that works and, and what goes on there and STIs and all that sort of thing. Um, right. But then there's also, the, I guess, the sociocultural influences and implications for basically what what, you know society thinks about sex and what we're, we what the way that we think about sex as we grow up so I think people of my generation and I mean I know people you know maybe people from my high school are going to be listening went to school with me you know there was there's these very strong ways that we think about sex in terms of you know you can and can't do certain things for fear of being called a certain giving a certain label yeah. or um if you like a certain thing it makes you this if you don't it makes you this you know slut so, food, so is that a bit like um if you uh, if you do anal sex once, then you're labelled as someone that does anal. Absolutely, yes. Or if you if you like anal sex, you're a slut. If you don't right. feel like kissing somebody, then you're a prude. You know, we've got all of these um, kind of words and these notions that are mm. floating around. And, and the thing is that adults don't really help that. They perpetuate that by not talking to us about it and not allowing us to express and explore we're basically for, for all intents and purposes and in different sorts of ways uh, a lot of us have basically grown up with shame um, around yeah. sex it's, I think it's, we either think it's wrong or we think we're wrong or we think we're you know not doing it enough or doing it too much <laughs> or whatever it might be so yeah I watched an interesting video actually about uh, essentially how we label ourselves and it, mm. even the names that we give ourselves our surnames and what we believe that that you know how, the impact that that has and the weight that that carries and this mm. sort of a, pra a practical nature um so we have a habit of labeling ourselves as uh confident or shy and so mm. if you say oh um i'm a shy person that's saying that you are going to be shy in the future which you don't necessarily have to be and the the, the youtube video was saying that you can change the way that your your language to say oh i've been shy in the past um i love that yeah so you're stepping out of the of the kind of the param the parameters mm. and the barriers that you've given yourself by the the kind of very language that you're using to describe yourself so absolutely and you're absolutely right that's what that's sort of what our brains do do we, we i'm trying to think of my word here but we kind of attach to the meaning of the words that we use and mm. so and it goes it goes into you know i talk to this um with clients and students and things about you know even stronger words like uh, even in at the moment when we're so much um knowledge and education and things are coming out now about our mental health and how if you've given a diagnosis of something it's kind of it's you've got to be really careful not to you know attach yourself to that diagnosis and not let yourself be able to step outside of that if you cannot take away the possibility that you could step outside of that and then a lot of young people um, or, or people in general kind of attach themselves to that diagnosis that diagnosis becomes a part of them to the point where it they can't feel free of it and it's not about that it's about okay this explains where i've been and it gives me so much validation for what i'm feeling and what's happening but it isn't me like it's not all of me and it's not all of what i can be and um, particularly when we're talking about you know mental health as well and um, so yeah you're absolutely right i think we we really attach to the words that we use and we've got to be really careful yeah it's a, it's a tricky it seems like a really tricky balance because when the the, the phrase that i think i, I struggle with is that isn't me um because you know there's that a classic example is someone shows up they're late once 
and they may have been on time five times, but they're late once and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, this isn't me. And it's yeah. sort of this feeling of like, well, you did do it. You know, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with being late once. Mm. Well, but that is, that right is a now. part of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, uh, they're, they're, I think we had such an, we've, we're coming out of a phase of having such an issue with labels in that you, mm. labels are what we use. Essentially every single word is a label, every, mm. uh, every, noun or adjective i don't know which way it go which way that works but we use labels to describe everything around us but they're constantly changing and updating based on a practical nature yeah, the issue I'm is not... yeah the i think the issue is we sort of came we're not not an issue but we're, where we are today is um we found we've realized that certain labels are limiting and then we're trying to work, you know, I think there's a small subgroup of societies trying to do away with labels altogether, which I think can have can be equally damaging as what we've had before, which is being overly defined by your yeah. category. I love that we're getting into these nitty gritties already. This is fantastic. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, something it's else. completely I naturally. I've not even looked at my questions yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's, it's something that I bring into a lot of my sex education programs too, and it comes into the therapy room a lot. The yeah. idea of the labels and the fact that we labels and stereotypes are the the uh, cognitive creations, right? They're, 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 we, when they're necessary for us for our communication and the way that we mm -hmm. relate to each other, we need to have uh, stereotypes and and words to a certain extent. But yeah. at the same time, I'm very very much about the ability because we are sentient beings, right? Like we're not animals. Mm -hmm. We've evolved and we continue to evolve. And I love that word evolve. Yeah. And there is nothing in our scriptures and in our history saying that we can't evolve. And so while I'm kind of with you there, Harry, it's like I get why we need to attach meaning to words in order to be able to communicate. But once we've reached a fundamental understanding of what that word means, why not as a collective, why can we not then change that? We've made that word. Why can't we change it? So if we're going to go with, you know, within my field of work, we're talking about boy, girl, right? And, and, yep. the, and the spectrum of gender or the spectrum of sexuality. Interesting. Yeah. We know what, what boy and girl means. And we've got the, we're, we're constantly looking at, you know, how we can stereotype and within those two words. Why can't we as a collective open that up? Why can't we look at that? And why can't it mean different things to different people? If there's a person in your life that's saying, well, actually, this is what this word means to me. Great. That's awesome. No worries. I will, mm -hmm. I will integrate that into my repertoire. Give me a bit of time because it's different to what I've maybe been raised to, to what that word means. But, you know, I love you and I, I want to support you. So, yeah, let's, let's change the meaning of that word together. And I think I the important constantly thing defining is love and relationships all the time. <laughs> so we can do this. Yes, yeah, I think absolutely you're right. I think the the interesting thing about labels is uh, is not necessarily their definition in the dictionary only follows how they are used. I watched an interesting video of a woman that writes descriptions for the dictionary, and she gets mm. frustrated when people um, who get militant about the fact that a word should be used a certain way. And she said, and she, the way she looks at it is it's her job to document how people are using a word, not tell people how to use them. And so, um, for an example, uh, I've got my brothers who call themselves vegetarians and they're mm -hmm. tie this into the boy girl, uh, debate, which is, but they, they call themselves vegetarians, but they, if I, cook meat for them 
um, or cook meat for my family when I go home to visit, they'll eat it. Um, they won't want it to go to waste, but it's still, you know, and some of my vegetarian friends really turn their nose up on that. They go, that's not being a, that's not being a vegetarian, but it's also absurd to call them meat eaters because they will literally never make a meal uh, with meat in. And if they're at a restaurant with choices, they'll never order meat. Um, mm. And so they, they use the term flexitarian as well, but people also have issues with that. But actually they are, these terms being flexible is much more useful than them being fixed. Um, especially yeah. because how many times have you said, have you asked someone, oh, are you meat eater or vegetarian? And you're just asking them what meal to give them. And then they, they spill over into a spiel describing their whole situation because they don't want to offend someone that identifies with a category. You know, they, mm. they sometimes felt pressure to say, well, I choose to eat, I don't, I don't eat meat unless someone gives it to me. They don't need to say that every time. I think saying I'm vegetarian just works fine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I, I hear what you're saying. You've said two really interesting things there. I'm trying to like keep my tabs as I'm going along because <laughs> I love that we're sharing all these stories and everything. But um, I do feel like there is a sense of ownership over a term mm. once you identify with it and then somebody else identifying with the same term, but changing it to be or, or make, or, you know, it, it becomes flexible based on what the, another person needs of the term. Mm somehow affects and offends that person yeah. so I've met a lot of people and, and look this is the thing parts of my job are tough because yes I have certain beliefs and I have certain ways that I would love to see the world in the future but ultimately whoever walks through the door I have committed to much the same as in other helping professions like a doctor or something I've committed to help that person the best way that I can and if that person comes through and has a belief that's different to mine I'm I, I, I won't I ethically I don't believe in sitting there and disagreeing with that person and telling them they're wrong so this is where I get into some really really awesome discussions and and I get to really see a lot of different types of people and the way that they believe and you know, the way that they think and, and where that's come from so it's it's really quite interesting but I do I've met a lot of people who you know get highly offended for example we're going into boy girl you know yeah you know somebody wants to wear a dress or, or transition sexually and you know they're just not a boy or they're just not a man or or vice versa they're not a woman hmm. and I kind of enter where possible and where I feel ethically a lot, not so as much in a therapy room because you have to work a lot slower a lot of the time with people, but especially out in the world, I often like to, to question why it offends them so personally. So it's like, okay, so if you identify with man, that's cool. That's you. That's you pick those terms that you identify with man and that's you. Why does somebody else identifying with man that has slightly different characteristics to you offend you so deeply? And Another interesting thing that I thought when you were talking, Harry, is that we have words, again, I always come back to, we're sentient beings, we're capable of doing this. We have language for a yep. reason. So that man, the term man can, can have all of these um, explanations and this fluidity around it, because you don't have to say, I agree with you. Sometimes it's nice to just be able to say, I'm a man or I'm a vegetarian, but you yep. don't have to, you're not stuck with that. You can say, Tonight, if you're asking about the meal you want to give me, I'd rather eat vegetarian, thank you. But usually, or this, or this, here's my flexibility. Here's where my, the boundaries of that word are for me. And that is also a privilege. And I think sometimes it's, it's we, we forget how much of a privilege it is to be able to it's expand on the terms that would otherwise box us in. Um, it, it just, yeah, then you get into a whole mess of other things because people shouldn't have to explain if they don't want to and that sort of thing, which I totally agree with too. So, but yes. yeah, when I'm- I, when I think- I'm, um, yeah. I, that's an interesting idea. I think um, 
you're absolutely right. People shouldn't um, put pressure on people to explain no. how they're using a word. But also at the same time, if your goal is to have people understand you, then you um, shouldn't feel pressured to do this, but you should want to explain the word when someone's curious or when someone asks. Or yeah, I um, think it's... Because uh, not, it's just, for, for instance, there are people out there that just won't understand why you want to identify, why a woman might want to identify, sorry, someone that was born a woman um, might want to identify as a man. Mm. But actually, it's the same reasons that, that I guess it's this, they want to identify as a man, problem, essentially for the same reasons that he wants to identify as a man. Um, I'm just trying to check that I'm getting my he, she, they's right. Um, but because um, uh, he, they felt as though, you know, I've, oh goodness, I think I've lost this point because I've got my head in a spit. But, <laughs> you uh, your word, said... it's the worst, isn't it? You, you, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not saying what I'm supposed to be saying and yeah. now I've forgotten. Um, mainly I'm trying to say that there is a practical nature to, I think it would be, it, it wouldn't just, it doesn't just make, oh my goodness, it doesn't just make sense to, for a transitioned, a trans woman to mm. identify as a woman. Um, it doesn't just make sense for them to use the term. It's not just their right, sorry, this is, it, this is what I'm trying to say. It's not just their right to use the term woman. It makes sense for them to do so. It would be actually more confusing to have someone there that enjoys wearing dresses, enjoys um, being feminine and, uh, you know, can still enjoy masculine, you know, there, there's all these things that they can enjoy, but it would actually be, uh, for them as a transitioned person, it would be more confusing for them to use the gender that we know, we know that these man and woman we know they're not about what we're, they're born, we're born as. I think our mm. emotional attachment to them uh, proves this. Mm. And so it is about what social group you best identify with. Um, mm. The issue is then, are we now, again, for, we're, uh, the, my early issue with this, it was that we are now categorizing what is male and female behavior um that's the that's the other tricky area in which genders become confusing again is if a man was to walk into my office wearing a dress one day mm. i think every i think people in that office would feel a need to go oh so what what category are you in now when he yeah. might have just liked that outfit one day and thought you know what fuck it i it's just a dress it doesn't hurt anyone i'm just going to wear it that's what pride feels like it's about for me and stuff like that it's this sort of exploration mm. of what is the harm in me doing this I've often thought I, I have no impulse to wear heels or wear a dress but I've just thought it's absurd to me how much of a deal it feels like to for me to do that even as a just not even for not to do it as a laugh not to do it as a joke but just to do it sincerely because that day I felt like wearing something breezy mm. um it would feel like a big leap. I would have to over, I'd be overcoming, I'd still be overcoming things, expectations and people wanting to categorize me. Mm, yeah. Um, 
And this is what I find interesting that you've gone into this now, because I'm like, I don't know if you can hear me typing, but I'm writing notes as you go, because we're saying <laughs> so much that I want to address. But um, when we when we talk about um, the need for people to identify. So, yes, you're right. If, you know, you walked into work one day and you, you know, previously been, you know, completely the complete epitome physical you know expression of a cisgendered heterosexual male and then you yep. walk in in a dress and heels and lipstick for example yes there would be this you would feel this pressure to have to explain yourself because people would get confused and they'd be like hang on a second this isn't fitting in with it's not just my identity ac- across society it's actually mm-hmm. the way I've identified you you I've boxed you into the this set of you know descriptors and you're challenging that now and I'm confused and you you'd feel that confusion and you'd feel the the, the need to explain yourself which I think in a lot of cases deters people from wanting to to branch out in the first place because it's too outside of the norm and they'd have too much pressure to explain and this brings me back to what I'd made a note on previously when you were talking about wanting to explain your situation and um, should should people shouldn't people want to explain when they are doing something I can't I don't think you said quite this word but but yes when when you're talking about stretching out the flexibility of a word should people not want to explain and I think that's a really interesting point to make because in the next sentence you've just said (laughs) <laughs> you talked about how you would feel if you did yeah it's not even a contradiction yeah. it's just great, crazy how when we have these conversations and when you're talking to people that give you the space to talk you can actually talk around it to the point yourself in a way it's crazy yeah. but yeah the people that are challenging those norms they feel that weight and they feel that pressure all the time and I think this actually comes down to in part um, the notion of privilege and the safety to speak and the people that you're speaking to so yes in an ideal world everybody should want want to or be able to explain the subtle nuances of their personality whatever gender or whatever you know identity that they um feel associate with we should all want to and be able to but the, the fact is there are groups that that can't or they feel that they can't without this enormous weight and this enormous discrimination and this enormous judgment so I think I talk to I talk about this a lot too is is that the the safety to talk and when to talk and as an ally what can we do to encourage the people that may be struggling with this more than we even realize in terms of a gender identity or being a minority Mm. Um, how can we provide those safe spaces to talk and what can we do as allies to affect and impact and create more safe spaces to talk so that our peers who are struggling as a minority can speak without feeling the weight that you just described of like I'm so different right now it's 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 like it's too tiring to have to explain all the time and educate people all the time and I think that's as allies what we can do is where appropriate and where where it's not you know we're not it's it's I'm quite careful all the time to really express and let people know I'm not talking from lived experience like you know I'm a cisgendered heterosexual female um and but i but i do consider myself an ally and i'll always provide space where i can i'm always going to ask questions when it's appropriate or invite you to come to me if you want to to help me understand because i want to be in a position where we can you know do our part to make the world a safer place for everybody to uh, be able to express and to explain yeah this the subtle nuances or maybe the not so subtle nuances of their personality yeah i think um I think an important thing is um, that would be a good place to get to is to not have um, a tone is so important, but to have a precedent that a question isn't offensive, but um, mm. the, the idea that you have to have an answer 
is uh, you, you shouldn't demand an answer, but you have a, I think everyone has a right to ask a question, even if the question itself is of a controversial nature. In fact, if anything, that's the most important question people should ask is one that is uh, at its core controversial, because if you don't deal with an idea or a thought or a belief without talking about it, then you only leave uh, physical actions in which to manifest your beliefs or, or so your you're views. saying if you don't ask the question then all you're leaving room for is for action essentially for, for I mean I think that's where physical violence comes from where they feel as though they uh, I think people often I think physical violence comes from two places it's a place of um of feeling like people are willfully misunderstanding you that's the time where I felt most angry as a, as a, as a guy, when I've been trying to explain things. Um, not as a guy, sorry, as a person, there's nothing to do with being male. Um, but mm -hmm. as a person, when I'm explaining something to someone and, you know, there's that classic phrase oh, oh, when someone says, oh, so what you mean? And then says something that is clearly sort of their version of you. Mm. And, you know, it takes a lot of patience to, take a deep breath and go no that's not how I see myself or you know this is um, maybe I've explained this wrong and let me go back a bit hmm. um but uh, uh I've found a lot of times I've been with people uh, in groups of people and managed to ask questions uh in a friendly way that where there's, there's no pressure on them to answer and I'm ready to I can I can sense when someone's wants to move away from a topic um and i'm very capable of going oh so what about this other thing that you would prefer to talk about um but people get very i can see my friends get nervous when i ask these questions and more often than not it's uh, i i think the reason i i like doing it and continue to do it is because some quite often it, there's this big feeling of relief that they finally get to talk about this topic sorry i've just got some posts <laughs> coming up <laughs> Love it, postman. Saved by the postman. I'll edit that out. Um, actually, so, did you have something you wanted to talk about on that? I do have. Yeah, one. absolutely. I think you've said a lot of interesting things there, and look, and it's really always really great to hear how uh, how you feel and what your experience is and I love this idea of the controversial question the controversy to ask the questions that are controversial that are uncomfortable um, and I I think there is there is always a place for that mm -hmm. and then I also think there is a place for when people get this because obviously I'm considering myself as an ally of, of, you know, minority groups. I always, my brain kind of goes to that person that maybe, and let's just say for argument's sake, that there, you know, that there's a person of a minority that you'd like to ask a controversial question to mm -hmm. and being of a, of a, of a, a group and a demographic that isn't minority. We don't know how that feels to, to sort of be maybe the only person in a conversation or in a group that is of a minority and then being asked a controversial question. And so sometimes I look at that and I think, yep, that's, it's great. It's good to want to ask the questions because I can see where you're linking it to 
you know, willful misunderstanding or violence. And that's how we get aggression is because we don't understand each other. And we have this, this insidious inner judgment that can, that can grow if we don't ask the questions. Mm -hmm. But I also think that timing and the safety of the space is really important because sometimes if I feel like I want to ask a question, uh, I sometimes don't. Sometimes I actually just say, I'd love to talk about this more. And whenever you feel ready or comfortable, can we come back to the table and talk about this? And yeah. the reason that I do that is a lot of the time is is i think just because of the sometimes the question you you we as a in a position of privilege sometimes have to look at why do we want to ask that controversial question how can we ask that controversial question mm. is it appropriate to you right now if not maybe turn that question inwards why do i want to ask that question in this setting right now Mm. So it's about being curious on all fronts and trying to have as much of a three dimensional or like that 360 perspective of the situation as possible. Um, I think never asking questions absolutely is wrong. And I think <laughs> question asking is always better than not question asking. Yes. But sometimes even a well-intentioned question is just steeped and seeping with privilege that we don't even know is there. Absolutely. And um, with and I think uh, another thing is you mentioned something that was quite, I think, a really effective tactic is going, you know, there have been times where people have briefly mentioned uh, an issue in group conversations. Mm -hmm. I, I've got a friend of a friend who's had a miscarriage and she briefly mentioned it in a conversation and the conversation just moved too quickly. Had I had the opportunity, I said, would you mind if I ask you questions? I wouldn't even ask a question. I would just say, would you know, you, you pretense it and you can see uh, and if there's a moment of hesitation before saying yes, I would sense that there's pressure there and go, it's okay, uh, we can just talk about other things and then mm. fire a completely different question and move ahead quickly. But yeah, I think, I think intention is always really important to, to communicate there. I think it's because sometimes that hesitation can come from that sense of why, why does this person want to know and what am I going to say? And obviously there's the trauma and the grief and whatever else could be associated, but communicating curiosity and intention, I think is really important. I'd really want to know more about that because I'd like to know how to support you, or I'd really like to know more about that because I'm a sexologist and I teach this <laughs> to people, or I really want to know more. So then it's more you're you're giving you're being vulnerable in that space too, and it's not just you interviewing that person for for wanted out of interest. It's actually yeah, it's not, it's I've got a vested fully... interest in this because my intention is pure. My intention is to understand you, or to help others, or to broaden my horizons so that I can I can take this in and and alter maybe something about myself that's going to make me a better human being. So I feel like if we have intention and curiosity communicated sometimes ahead of a question, a direct question, that can do wonders for actually, you know, paving the way to a sense of equality, even if we can never actually make ourselves equal in terms of privilege, at least we can, uh, you know, lay those foundations for having as equal a conversation as possible when we want to ask those controversial questions. I, um, I'm I'm aware of the time now, and I think that's a really good oh, yeah. note to. I think that's that's such an interesting note to to wrap this up on. I, mm. I really want to like. I've got so many questions in my I head. I feel like that just whizzed. <laughs> I feel like we've got so much more to say. Can yeah. I also say something else, though, Harry? I noticed yeah. that when you were talking, um, mm -hmm. something that I think is really important to do too 
as you stopped and you questioned yourself and you changed your words. So again, the importance of words that we're talking about, mm. you said, as a, I've had this experience as a male and then kept talking. They went, actually, it's not about being, being male at all as a person and then yep. kept going. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's all we need to do as that's people a, that's... maybe don't understand is, is check yourself and go, oh, I just used a word I didn't mean. I'm going to backtrack. And It's, it's and, something I do a lot is, is yeah. I make things gendered when they really don't need to be. And it's, yes. it completely derails my point. People start having conversations and they think that I'm, uh, I realize that I am with my words. My words mm. it seem as if I'm making comparisons between men and women, which, mm. uh, is absurd I, can't, I, I don't know the perspective of the other sex and speaking to my friends when we've gone into topics you've realized that we're really similar on loads of issues um and it, i just think uh, my main thing is i don't i don't actually think that men and women are that different <laughs> ah well this should be the topic of our next um podcast <laughs> our yeah. next conversation i think <sighs> yeah that to be fair that is generalized as well and it needs to go away <laughs> <laughs> because I, I do love think it. We, I well, do coming from like different. a philosophical and like ethical background, I've got so much I want to say about that. But I feel like we will just go on for another hour. Like honestly, Absolutely. I feel like we're dealing with such huge topics, and it's just been great to even delve into it for half an hour. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And I also want to uh, I just think the term privilege is one of the most interesting words, uh, blanket terms that is defined so differently by different people. Um that I think it's that's worth discussing in a whole episode on it in it in it of itself absolutely I've got my list of notes here so I feel like we could do a couple of sequels to this I'm definitely open to that (laughs) great I definitely want to have you back on the show and I know Charlie would love to talk to you as well yeah shame we didn't get to meet Charlie this time but um but yeah no I look forward to having more conversations and you know thanks again for inviting me onto onto your podcast and onto your platform and and making space for for you know these really important conversations I think it's great thank you so much cheers thanks Erica have a great day have a great evening there in Australia (laughs) thanks (laughs) Bye. bye